Climbed a mountain and I turned around And I saw my reflection in snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my life? Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about X, and I am once again joined by our resident A24 fanboy, Daniel Lima, to talk about this one. Daniel, what's going on? Oh, it's going great. Can't wait to talk about another A24 movie. You know how much I love these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been like, I mean, it's probably been since 2020 that you didn't like one of the movies. Like, you were just, you just, they get like three of them on your top 10. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, X is the the newest movie from A24, and... uh, writer director ty west who uh just did a who who i guess daniel you might be familiar with some of his earlier stuff but i mean he's like a low budget horror guy really for a lot of his earlier movies up until this one and uh not this is a a massive budget but like obviously kind of a step up in uh scale and uh in scope and just uh audience for him i'm i'm assuming and uh it tells us it, it is set in 1979 it picks up in uh, with a, kind of a random assortment of folks who are, are work at a, work around a strip club in Houston, including a couple of strippers named Bobby Lynn, played by Brittany Snow, and Maxine, played by Mia Goth. Uh, the strip club proprietor, his name is Wayne. He's played by Martin Henderson. And uh, the, in addition to, you know, like working around a strip club, they're kind of anim- amateur pornographers. And they're also joined on a road trip that, as they leave Houston uh, by Jackson Hole, who is played by uh, Scott Muscuti, a.k.a. Kid Cuddy, who is kind of the the male star of the pornographic film they're going to be making who in the, the film is going to be uh written directed you know uh shot by or edited by rj nichols who is played by owen campbell and uh he is joined by his girlfriend uh lorraine who's played by jenna ortega who's helping out on the sound you might know jenna ortega because she was just in scream a couple of months ago they are uh going out to like kind of the country in texas and uh to uh find a kind of an like a where they've rented out a rundown guest house that they're renting from like this really, really old dude who is a, I guess, a World War One, World War II veteran who is just like very aggressive, very suspicious of these people. And, uh, and unbeknownst to him, he, he, he just knows they're staying there. He doesn't even realize how many of them it's going to be doesn't know they're going to be filming porn and uh they kind of take up residence in the guest house and you know start doing their thing but you know uh things are not exactly what they seem especially in uh, with respect to the uh proprietor whose name is howard uh, his his wife uh an old old woman named pearl uh kind of begin snooping around and you know uh hijinks ensue as they might in in any kind of horror movie uh daniel i've seen this movie twice uh, first time I saw it was opening Friday, and I had a one of the worst theater going experiences I've had in some time. I can't remember if I, if I explained this to you or not because I, I complained to a lot of different people about it in the days that followed. But I'm not a Karen. I'm not an ask for the manager type of guy. Let me just say that. And this was just the this is I've been going to the same movie theater uh, for almost five six years now, 
And I, the only time I've ever had a, uh, the only time I've ever had a conversation with the manager about like a bad movie going experience was when someone tried to like rat on me for like being a bad movie goer when they were mistaken. Like it was a whole misunderstanding thing. I've never been the guy that's like that person's bad as much as I like silently sit there and stew when there's someone talking in the theater. But there was like three rows of like teens and early 20 somethings in the, just like talking nonstop loud enough that I could hear it. And I was sitting towards the front and it was just, it was just not good. And I had to, I talked to the manager after, and I was that guy. And so I was more than happy to see it again. Once it became apparent, we were going to do this. And I went with, and I went with a few friends and it was a great experience. It was like five of us. And we were the only ones in the theater. And one of my friends, Monique, who was with me, she kind of became aware as we were watching it, like uh, it was her first viewing of it. And she was able to like kind of predict a couple of things that were going to happen in this movie, as I'm sure some people can, if they know any horror movie beats, uh, there's a moment where someone is under a bed and but, but you don't realize but you're, you're not actually showing it until that scene is going on for some time. She called that. Uh, there's a moment where uh, let's just say something happens at a barn door. And uh, my friend Monique, she, predict, she, she predicted that before it was going to happen. And I and she wasn't like upset or she wasn't critical of it because she could. But like it followed a few like traditional horror movie beats that I don't even think I picked up on really my the, on my first viewing because I to bring it back to my point because I was so distracted. So what I'm asking you is, and I know this movie is drawing from a lot of different kind of horror movies of the 70s and uh, and has a lot of touch points, including the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I'm wondering, uh, it, it's cribbing from those things. There's uh, a few of these different beats that do feel kind of familiar. And I'm wondering, did the movie feel like overly familiar to you in any way? And uh, if not, why? And if so, why was that not a problem? Because I know you really like this movie, but like, it's obviously like, you know, taking things from a lot of things that you know well. Yeah. So here's the thing. Going into this, I am not a huge fan of Ty West himself, and I'm not a huge fan of A24 horror, as you know. Yeah, I make that joke about Daniel being the A24 resident horror fan, but they just happen to have a lot of uh, resident A24 fan, but they just happen to have a lot of movies that weren't horror that he liked last year. Yeah, it just so happened. But um, yeah, no, Ty West, in case you don't know, like his history, he was kind of coming up in like the mid 2000s. Honestly, in a way, he's kind of the progenitor of the A24 style of horror, you know, that slow burn Mm. until like an explosive finale. He kind of started all that. You can trace that kind of back to the House of the Devil. Of course, this style of horror filmmaking goes back decades before, but he kind of brought it back to the, the style of indie horror. And, uh, you know, House of the Devil is a movie that I, I'm not a huge fan of. Like, I think it's okay-ish. Uh, I felt the same way about The Sacrament, which was his kind of found footage Jonestown movie. You know, it's a, just a style of horror filmmaking that I'm just, it just never really resonates with me. And A24 horror follows that mold. And beyond that, I always feel when I watch an A24 horror movie, something like an Ari Aster movie, that these are being made by people who do not like horror movies. Um, And I think by their own admission, they're not horror guys in general. And I think it does show up in the filmmaking. It is reflected in the way that they, I I don't want to make this into, turn this into like the dissing Ari Aster podcast. Well, I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind it. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is these movies do follow a certain sort of formula that's, you know, very well trodden. And, um, I feel like the movies sort of lose something when they're being made by somebody who is either unaware or uncaring of the films that come before it. I think you end up losing something in, you know, how you play with audience expectations. And, you know, I, I think there's something to be gained in recognizing what's come before you, if only so that you're able to 
subvert uh, expectations when you need to and play into them you know, when you, when it would be appropriate. Uh, some of the perfect example uh, outside of this movie would be like in Scream, the the new Scream where like in that scene where they're in the uh, the kitchen and they're opening and closing cupboards and you're just waiting for someone to jump out at you because you're aware that you're watching a horror movie. That's mm. the kind of playing with expectations that, um, you know, comes with somebody who knows the genre. And here with this movie, here's the thing. It is entirely predictable. You kind of know where this is going just based on the premise alone, if you've ever seen a horror movie. Um, I was actually listening to an uh, interview with Ty West just before we started recording. And he was talking about like how, yeah, yeah, I knew that people were going to immediately compare this to something like Texas Chainsaw. And he was like, look, I was willing, I'm, I think that I'm making something different from that. But at the same time, I am willing to play along with people's expectations of what that would be, because then when it makes that deviation, it's only going to be that much more satisfying. And uh, I think that that is reflected in the filmmaking. I think that it's reflected in how playful it is, I think more so than uh, the two that I have seen from him so far, and certainly more than any of the A24 horror output that I've seen. Um, I think it's a movie in conversation with what's come before it. And it does so in a way that's rich and engaging, but also manages to uh, key into something that's wholly original uh, and actually speaks to something about how we view sex and violence and, and aging, honestly. Uh, so I honestly thought that this was really, really fantastic. I honestly, at first I was like, this is one of the best movies of the year. And on rewatch, I'm wondering if maybe this could be the best movie I've seen all year hands down well yeah i mean we're we're, we're still early so i mean it's not i mean it, that's not to say it can't obviously end up high on your list at the end of the year but we haven't seen a ton of 2022 releases yet i'd say yeah but i know i know but i already got two five stars you oh, know really? what what's, I mean? what's so, your other ones the other ones were actually scream uh oh, okay, okay. Know, i didn't realize like that much. okay oh yeah, yeah yeah and uh also um what was it called living the uh the british um, Ikaru remake. Oh, okay. Didn't, I don't even know what that is, but, uh, let me, let me ask you, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm again, I'm not, I don't want you to have to dwell, like you said, too much on like, uh, hating on Ari Aster, but when you say like, it doesn't even seem like they like horror, are you saying that like, it's almost just like th they're too deliberate? Is it too slow of a burn or is it something else that doesn't really work for you about that? Cause I feel like this one, uh, I, I feel, I feel like it, it does like go out of its way to be more entertaining though. You are kind of waiting a while till you soon see any blood in this one also. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, he's not deviating from his model, mm -hmm. uh, really, with this one. I think that the I think that he is taking a more kinetic approach to the filmmaking than in something like The House of the Devil. Mm. Um, but um, in terms of like comparing this to like another A24 horror movie, for example, um, how do I put this? Um, so for like Midsummer, for example, mm -hmm. Midsummer to me feels like a draw a relationship drama with a little bit of horror tacked on to the end of an almost three hour runtime. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And beyond that, the, the, the drama personally, I don't find that interesting or engaging. Uh, I think that it, you know, is way too long and, you know, whatsoever, but I, I realize it resonates with other people. That's fine. It just doesn't resonate with me, but it seems like that's what he's interested in versus like the last 10 minutes where it turns into a pure slasher and that pure slasher stuff, Honestly, to me, it's like the week is even weaker than what came before it, simply because it kind of just follows the same sort of beats, but without any of the, you know, 
any sort of the pep, any of the fun that um, I would want out of something like it, something which I think that um, uh, X does actually manage to provide. Yeah, because I'd say um, that this first, the first, like you know, th- there's obviously a few creepy moments in the first half hour of X, but I, I just really appreciate how much it seems like he is intent on like uh, making this a fun time. Even some of those creepy moments, mm. like you can even laugh at them because they are like that, that weird and uncomfortable, and but not in, like a, for not in, like a cringy way, you know. Like sometimes like right, movies right. like go out of your way to like make you feel uncomfortable, want you to like watch through the uh, cracks when you c- cover your face with your fingers or go behind the couch, whatever saying you want to used for that kind of sensation it's not that even though some of the stuff with pearl in the first half of the movie is hella uncomfortable it was almost just like we're laughing because it's like what is this old lady's deal and that's like a, that that's a different kind of hang that i didn't really mind because and, and then everything else aside from that is like just legitimately fun and there's even some uh, very interesting filmmaking flourishes within that part of the movie uh that aren't even like you know what you're coming to a traditional horror movie to see i would say uh because because again there's not a lot of traditional horror going on in that stretch of the movie well, here's the thing. I do actually, you know, despite what I just said about like Ari Aster's approach, for example, you know, I do think there is something to be said about a film, a horror film, especially a slasher that does take time to build character. Um, I think that so often you see a lot when you go back to like these 80s stuff, like, you know, I don't know, me and my friend were talking about Edge of the Axe earlier today. Um, you get a lot of horror movies that don't spend any time at all in building up the characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you can have fun even without that, but it's so much more rewarding when you flesh out the people that are going to be, you know, taking up almost the entirety of your screen time, especially considering that this is such a limited cast and, you know, make them feel like real people with ambitions and dreams. And because that's when, when the horror actually starts up, you are invested in what happens. You are invested in who lives and who dies beyond just watching the splatter. You know what I mean? And I think this film and does do a very good job in establishing a character. Honestly, I would say- I think all those characters West, are likable. Yeah, exactly. And I would, I think that Ty West, honestly, as much as I'm not a huge fan of uh, the stuff that I've seen from him so far, I think that he is uniquely gifted in his ability to build character. Um, I think that another important aspect of the character building in a horror movie is that it justifies why characters would stick around for when the horror comes out. Cause you oh, know, yeah. you, often when you watch a horror movie, you, you know, you're getting red flags being sent off and you're like, if I were there, if that were me, I'd just leave. And, or, or, or whatever. And and there's like, like multiple you know, good reasons for them here not to leave. Like one, it's like not practical because of like where they, they're out in the middle of nowhere, but two, it's like, they've done a really good job of establishing like they're at a very interesting point in time with respect to the adult film industry. And like, they actually legitimately think they're on the brink of something big. So there is a lot of incentive for them to finish this thing. Right, right, right. And of course with this one, um, admittedly there's not as many red flags as like something like house of the devil and the sacrament, uh, you know, before the the horror starts up. Um, It's just a little creepy, you know, the couple is just a little creepy, but my point here though, is that it's important to build character in preparation of the horror uh and i do think that this does a great job of doing that let me think how and it also keys into the themes of the movie like the the core theme of this movie is actually uh you know how we deal with aging and you know how uh we appreciate the youth that we do have these are you know this you've seen this premise before of like the young kids going off into like a remote area and you know 
disturbing the locals. In this case, it's just two, you know, this old couple who was hosting them. And, you know, this is a couple who, you know, have been with each other for decades and decades. But, you know, at this point, sex is sort of out of the picture for them. They're old. They're decrepit. Um, they're, I'd say it's they, out of the picture know, for Howard. Pearl's really into it. Pearl's really into it. <laughs> but, you know, they, 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 there's a there's, there's a risk of like him, like having like a heart attack at any moment because they're so decrepit. You know what I mean? And, you know, you contrast their lives their insular, very lonely existence together with like the vivacious sort of fun that these other characters have. You know, you got Brittany Snow, who is like fantastic in this movie. I appreciated her performance even more going back to it today because, you know, she could be just simply the dumb ditzy blonde. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think she plays it with a lot more shrewdness and a lot more wit than I think a lot of horror directors would give a character like this. I love there's this moment early on before they get there where like they're shooting like a B-roll of like, a, um, I'm sorry, a Kid Cudi putting in gas in the car. And uh, she comments as the dude, the director guy is filming, Brittany Snow comments like, you know, if you film him from the top down, like it's going to look like he's filling that pump up with dick. And like, you know, it's like what is, she's got the shrewd sort of like she has an intuitive understanding of like the visual language of this porn film that they're trying to make. I really and, liked when you know, I, really liked, I was just going to say, I really I really liked after their after the, when they filmed the sex scene and she was like giving him shit for like being a fool of himself. And she shows him how she can fake an orgasm. And then he's like and then he's like, I think I might love you. And she's just like, bless your heart, <laughs> bless your heart. And like, oh, yeah, the moment where she like she's talking to uh, uh, Jenna Ortega. And, you know, she's like, uh, do you help him with all, do you help him, your boyfriend out with all his films? And Jenna Ortega's like, sometimes, is that your boyfriend? And she's like, sometimes. Like, you know, <laughs> very clever, very clever sort of character. Hey, actually, um, I want to ask you about the performances. And I think we actually talked a decent amount about it and we can just jump to some spoilers. I wasn't even sure I would do a spoiler section of this, but I think we actually did a pretty good job of talking around that. So uh, I, I just want to second what you said and say, like, I really love Britney Snow in the movie. Uh, I mm. go like way, way, way back with her. She was in a show called American Dreams, like in 2002, um, set in Philadelphia in the 60s. And, you know, she did Pitch Perfect and she did uh, really not a ton else that's really like been like, you know, just really broken through and been big. And I, I'm really happy for her. She did something against type and uh, we seem to have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, I, I didn't know Scream was one of your five star movies. Uh, do you are you a fan of Janet Ortega as like one of our new, uh, I don't know, Scream Queens? Oh, I am now. I swear mm -hmm. to God, like, she really killed it. She really mm -hmm. killed it. Uh, I did not realize also that she was like Jane the Virgin or was she in just in Jane the Virgin? Oh, I guess um, that, that might have been where she good. got her start. I don't I, I never watched that show. Yeah, I've been meaning to. I've heard good things about it. And mm -hmm. I certainly might get around to it now. She was in Studio 666, which was the um, the uh, the horror movie from this year by like that band, um, you know, that rock band, uh, the Foo Fighters, hmm. uh, which I didn't realize she was in that. Like, you know, she's she's coming around and I'm 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 very pleased to have her around. Uh, you know, uh, I, honestly, RJ, was that the uh, the, the producer guy? Yeah. Yeah, I loved that performance. I think mm -hmm. that I, I was actually listening to an interview with Ty West and he was talking about how like people were coming in to read for that character and they were playing him off as like this sort of like hick, you know, this sort of like perverted hick sort of guy who like wants to, you know, just make dirty movies with young girls. 
But Owen Campbell came in and he was like, no, I'm playing an entrepreneur. Like that was his perspective on the character. And it was exactly what West wanted. And it just so much works. This character could easily just be like this sleaze bag, but instead he's almost like a fatherly type to this core group of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, shepherding I, them and he wants them to make something great. Uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're conditioned point. to think that guy's going to be just kind of like a douchebag when he shows up in a movie, you know? Exactly, exactly. And this is one of those instances where like the movie kind of you know even though it is very much you know the kind of slasher horror thing that you'd expect it toys with your expectations just a bit to make things keep things fresh i love mia goth of course in her in her this is where the spoiler section comes in in her dual role i did not know that mia goth was playing both uh you know our ultimate final girl maxine and pearl the old lady who is the villain of the movie. Mm. Uh, I did I, not I didn't realize know, I didn't know either her first, yeah. until after I had seen the movie. I didn't even notice through the credits. It was only after I started looking up like, yeah, who's in the cast of this movie? I had the thought while we were watching, like that could be a young person because it's obviously fig- a lot yeah, of prosthetics. I figured, but- I figured it was prosthetics, but yeah, I did not realize that was her. And she's just brilliant in both roles, I think. Uh, I think that she's given a little less to do as Maxine. Mm-hmm. Um, than like all the rest of the cast, but as Pearl Man, like she really does key into like the sadness. And I, you know me, I, I one of my uh, one of my pet subgenres is um, old people reconciling with their past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this movie does key into that really well. Uh, you know, I've been describing how young and vivacious and how fun this whole entire cast is. You know, even Jenna Ortega, like playing like the you know. Uh, the churchy sort of more most conservative member of the group we're, we'll get to that part of her character in a bit but like you know she, even she is like given like this life there's this life to her and then you look at pearl you know the the, the old wife of the uh the farmer who they're renting this uh this bungalow out from right. and you know she looks at she looks so longingly at these people and the experiences that they're having with each other. And she, you know, can't help but think about her own faded glory, her own faded youth, and how she wishes to be desired in the way that these girls are being desired and exalted. And it's honestly very sad. There's a wonderful little moment in the movie. I think it's my favorite scene in the movie. It honestly made me emotional when I rewatched the movie, uh, where they're just, the guy, the, the gang are just hanging out, right? They're just, they've just had a day of shooting, they're hanging out. Uh, Kid Cudi busts out a guitar, and uh, Britney Snow starts singing. Um, Landslide. I don't. What? Landslide. Oh, is that the name of the song? I've heard this song before, but it's like I've heard it on like adult contemporary radio or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, never Fleetwood, knew. It's, it's Fleetwood Mac. I knew that, and I don't know. Oh, yeah. I genuinely did not know that. That's interesting. <laughs> I'll give that a listen. But um, she's playing landslide she's singing landslide and like the warmth of this little shack that they're in and how close they are together and it's contrasted in all these split screens with um uh pearl like she's just tried and failed at seducing her husband uh who you know puts her off because his his heart and she's you know taking off the makeup she put on and taking off the nice dress and putting on this ugly frock and you know through the split screen it's just the dichotomy of these two experiences it's painful to watch you feel for pearl in that moment and it's i i I don't know the last time a horror movie a slasher movie at that had made me feel like this for ultimately who would prove to be the villain of the movie it's honestly like tremendous work and I, i should actually note here 
and when I was talking about the split screens, this is, I think, the most stylishly directed movie that Ty West has done. You know, like he is a guy who knows his craft, even if like I, I haven't really appreciated how he put it to use. And here I think that he, he instead of, you know, the long takes and the really uh, atmospheric sort of direction that he's done in the past, I think here he he has plenty of like, he injects a certain life to even just the editing of the movie. I love the cross cutting that he would do in order to, mm-hmm. you know, make those scene transitions where instead of just cutting from one scene to another, you get a shot of the next scene and then a shot of the scene you're in. A shot of the next scene, shot of the scene you're in, shot of the next scene. Like, you yeah. know, like it, and it I, just- and, cre- I, and, I did, and I didn't find that that annoying. You know, I feel like sometimes when directors do stuff like that, it kind of just gets on my nerves a little bit and feels too showy or makes it too disorienting. But like, it kind of clicked in a way that, I don't know. It made sense. Like it'd be like one, it, one scene would be kind of be at a certain point, and then it would just. I think there was one point where like, it, it, it like he jumped away from one scene and went to another and showed it in its entirety, and then went back to the other scene. Like he did a lot of different things like that. That I mean, I. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember where it was, but I just had that thought. I was like, that. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. I think it's the barn. It's the. I think it's the barn door. It's the barn. Oh, okay, door. okay. Gotcha. I mean, not the bar- Yeah, it's the barn wall. It's the barn wall right. scene. Yeah, I, I noted that at the time too. Like because you know, it, it shows a command of rhythm. I, I, this must not be an original thought, but man, I've been thinking about this so long rhythm man it's the underpinning of every single form of art i guess outside of like something like uh like a visual like a painting because you take that all in at once Mm. but in every other form of art you know like film tv music of course uh when you're experiencing this podcasting where you experience (laughs) you experience it you know sequentially because you know that's how time works so much of it is dependent on the artist's command of rhythm because that's what gives uh that's what lends the work a certain sort of personality a certain sort of life you have to know what's right for the work itself and how people are going to respond to it like uh it's so important to anything that you're doing and here i think he really does show a great command of it in a way that like he could break the sort of you know, at the point where you're breaking the rhythm, the typical rhythm of a movie in like in the example that you had cited yourself, you're breaking the rhythm of what is supposed to happen, quote unquote. And uh, you're doing it in a way that pulls the audience in rather than takes them out of it. And the ability to know when to make the rhythm wrong on purpose to draw the audience in, that takes someone special. So hats off to Ty West for uh, managing to do that. Cause that's, that's some tough shit. Yeah. Let's talk spoilers now. I, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised we, I, I mean, I'm glad we were able to talk about it that much, but I mean, I think, I think we've given everyone a pretty good uh, tease for like what, what's uh, what to expect with this movie without really giving away anything that's like too plotty. And there's plenty of fun, uh, fun twists and turns as there are in any horror movie. And, and like, I, I, I definitely highly recommend this. I mean, people have kind of heard me over the last couple of years, like kind of like hem and haw about like how I've kind of grown to appreciate horror more, but like, I'm someone that like, you know, maybe some of the reasons some of the A24 stuff works for me more than it does for Daniel is because I'm not necessarily the biggest traditional horror fan. And I and I still really dug this, even though, like, as Daniel's saying, it might be more of a throwback to traditional horror movies. This this one really clicked with me. So I don't think this is something where if you're if you're not like a big horror person, I think you can still get something out of this as long as, you know, you have the stomach for some uh, some intense moments, because there there are there are a few uh, later on that we just haven't jumped into yet. Uh, and I should also mention Daniel. I mean, I'm guessing you you appreciated the just the overall look of the movie too. I mean, it's pretty cool that they did a pretty good job of making a New Zealand double for Texas. And uh, I, I I I appreciated the setting. Did you? Yeah, no, I heard a podcast where uh, 
uh, one of the hosts is from New Zealand, and he was saying that the only tell that he could note were that A, the cows were New Zealand cows, and B, um, they were in when they were in the the, the supermarket, uh, the, the the convenience store before they get to the house. There's like a brand of like New Zealand candy on the shelf. Like that's the only tell. That's the only tell apparently. Um, yeah, I, I totally bought it. You know, I think when they pull into the farm, uh, the uh, the director character is like, oh, it's got this place is going to give us some real great production value. And it's like, I, I will say that this is also, I, 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 we should, I don't think we talked about it uh, uh, that much, but like, you know, this is a movie where they're shooting like an adult movie. And honestly, I don't know if, uh, you know, like, of course, like what I like about this movie is that, you know, these people all have these dreams of doing something more like, you know, they're making this adult film, but they're making it at a time where an adult film is considered like respectable in a certain sort of way. Um, they're doing this as a stepping stone to something else, which ties into like this idea of youth being like uh, uh, this promise of something greater versus like, you know, old age being like, you know, the time to revel in like dreams deferred, you know what I mean? And reflect on how life didn't turn out the way that you wanted to. That being said, I don't know that it, it like I, it, listening to interviews, it seems like West wanted to make a movie about filmmaking in a way. And I don't know how much of that really is in here. Like, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate how much these people kind of care about. I like the care that is taken in, you know, the scenes where they are shooting the porno. I think that it does like uh, it, it shows that these are people who actually care about what they're doing, um, which I guess makes when you know when they start dropping like flies it makes it all the more tragic i suppose but you know in terms of films about filmmaking i don't know that this really hits hits that theme as well as i think he was hoping to yeah i enjoy hearing rj like kind of talk about his aspirations too and just them talking about where they thought this could put them in the industry but th there's probably not enough of the filmmaking in it for me to really necessarily call it a movie about filmmaking even if like you know like you said it it does kind of like tie into like uh, what it's trying to say about like you know young people and having something to uh, live for in a way that these older folks don't. So I, I I do I do think that's a definitely a point worth making. But uh but yeah now now I think would be a good time for anyone that has not seen the movie to go do so and rectify that. I I mean I, I hope it's still playing in theaters by the time I get this up. But I mean I'm sure like A24 does a pretty good job of getting their stuff to uh getting their stuff to uh, streaming once it's out of theaters. So yeah, one way or another, you'll be able to watch this pretty soon. So uh, if you're listening to this now uh, and haven't seen it, I, I highly, highly recommend not listening any further. Daniel, I'm uh, regard, regarding any spoilers. I mean, uh, we, we, were, we were just talking a little bit before about the different kind of things uh, Ty West does here uh, with respect to any kind of uh, different filmmaking flourishes and all that and how he's uh, getting to, I don't know. He, I, I do think he gets to show off here and there. And I, I mean, I even thought I, I kind of talked around it in the in the first part of the movie, but I mean, it's not really a spoiler to say like what he does, I guess, in you talk. I think you talked a little bit about the cutting back and forth, but like, I mean, I, it's not really a spoiler, but I was just going to say like one of the things I actually really enjoyed just so I can be a little more specific about it now was like the scene where the first scene with Pearl uh, getting uh, Max getting Maxine lemonade. Uh, but then, you know, being intercut with like the first the not the first sex scene, but the, what, what leads up to the first sex scene in the movie. I, I don't know if that was something you, you had anything else to say on, but like. I, I I was almost more taken by that than I was with like any any one of the killings. I mean, I just like really, really dug a lot of what he did or that first alligator scene. I mean, was there anything that we didn't already talk about that you actually really wanted to highlight as something where it was like, oh, wow, that that was something that really impressed me with respect to how he shot the action or the horror or anything like that. 
Oh, actually, that's, I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, the lemonade scene. I did mm. quite like that um, because I think that keys into like, you know, the, the, the central theme of the movie, the youth versus old age sort of theme. Um, you know, you have like the these uh, these young people shooting like this scene full of sexual tension and, you know, it's playful and all this and it's well lit and, you know, like there's a life to what they're making. And then you contrast that with the the dank, ugly dampness of the scene with where Mia Goth is sitting across the table from, you know, herself when it's Maxine and Pearl sitting across from each other and how awkward it is, how it feels like there's something wrong, how gloomy, um, how empty it all is. And like, I, I do, again, it's just him using like a visual language to like hone in on a certain theme that and make it uh, like engaging to the audience. Uh, I, I did quite like that scene. Yeah. And the alligator was fun. The alligator was fun. That first scene with the alligator. Um, I, I'm a big fan of alligator horror. Um, well, alligator. I've only seen. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we did do the podcast on crawl together. Yo, that's right. I think that might've been our first. No, Um, no, 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 the, the the, crawl, crawl didn't come out that early. Um, but, uh, I think it was 2017. I, I didn't start the podcast until June 2018. I thought that was like a well. In any case, crawl, well, crawl, in yeah, any crawl, case. crawl was 2019, but yeah, no, we did that one. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, I mean that scene. It was just so simple. I mean, it was just to do the uh, what, what's the camera angle where it's just looking straight down at her? I forgot what that's called. Um, I, I honestly have no idea, but I know that it was like a, I think he said that uh, in an interview that it was like a crane shot, like they they just use a crane or a drone but, or something like that. That makes sense. That. But like, and, it's, the- and it's just yeah, well composed little shot, and it's fun and it's tense and it has that command of rhythm that you need for good well, horror. And they throw in just like Pearl in the background before she jumps into the water, and like just it just lets it yes, it just yes, it just sits yes. in that moment, and it's like it's such an easy way to to like kind of like uh, make things a little chillier in the room, but you mm. know. I, I thought I just thought he did it very effectively. So it goes from doing that to like uh, being like, oh, what the hell is this? Because I don't think you've actually seen Pearl up close at, at that point yet either. No, 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 um, you hadn't. Yeah. So that I, I, I kind of dug that. So you go from whatever the creepy thing that is to just like having the whole entire theater really have their first collective freak out with respect to like what's <laughs> what's going on with that? What's going on with that gator? Uh, and like it's I mean. I, I don't want to say it's manipulative because I guess in, in some way, like all horror movies, like really like are trying to yeah. manipulate, man, manipulate you and your feelings, but just the way it like just sat on her uh, once you like knew where the gator was, it's like, you know, she's pro- actually don't know. She's not going to die, but you kind of have a feeling no one's going to eat it that early. Yeah, um, exactly. But, it's like, exactly. But, you kinda, but it's still, it was still just like a really like kind of great exhale moment anyway, even though like, I don't think I really thought she was going to die. They did a really of good course, job of of ratching up the tension. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is where I'm like, it's important to uh, you know i know that like there are some people who are gonna listen hear me go like it's important to to like be self-reflective on the the genre that you make the kind of movie you're making and they're gonna roll their eyes i know ben lubin if he ever listens to this is gonna be if he makes it this far he's gonna be smacking his head on his desk but look the reason why i think that it is important is that at the end of the day the people who are experiencing your work of art they've seen other works of art like they've seen other works of art. So if you avoid that conversation and you try to pretend that your work exists in isolation of everything that's come before it, like you're not going to subvert any expectations. People are going to know what you're doing and it's going to come across as boring as hell. At least it does to me. So like, I think that Ty West is a director who is constantly in conversation with his influences with this movie. 
And, uh, you know, it shows in like his command of that. That scene is a great example of it where like, you know, you see the overhead shot of like, you know, looking down on the landscape as she's swimming and then the the gator starts coming towards her. And then you get the shot where she gets to the, 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 the little dock and she puts her, you see the gator behind her. Then she gets up on the dock and she just, she like stays there, takes a breath and you're in the audience going like, what are you doing? <laughs> you idiot, get up in the, and, you know, it, it, it's because you know that you're watching a horror movie and he knows that you're watching a horror movie. That's why the shot's held like that. That's why it's framed that way. I love that sort of stuff. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, if you aren't willing to engage with what's come before you, I think you, you miss out on that sort of fun. You have a little bit of a hard out. So I, I, I want to, I think, I, th- I honestly think some of the other stuff is more interesting to talk about than the rest of the kills. I mean, we kind of already alluded to a couple of them anyway. Well, uh, I should say, I should say though, that uh, I, 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 we, we should get to the kills because at well, the no, end no, of the no, day. I was saying that's where I was going to go next. I, I, I just, okay, okay, you know, okay. Because we got to, there's a lot of stuff with Pearl that we got to like actually talk about it aside from the kills. But like, I mean, were there any of them that were like, uh, that you found particularly interesting? Because like I said, like I, I think you probably could have seen the thing at the barn door coming. I think, but like, Actually, I don't know if the, any others were like, and I think, I, I mean, people probably saw the one like coming with where RJ got it, but like, I mean, they were all, I thought they were all interesting in their own way. Even, even like the one with, uh, with Kid Cudi as, as much as that was just a, a shotgun, like he, that was the most interesting interaction anyone had had with Howard up until that point in the movie, other than Pearl, basically. So I think they all like mm-hmm. had their, uh, they all had something a little, uh, uh, unique and worthwhile about them. Uh, were there, were there any that particularly resonated with you? Honestly, that first kill is mm. probably uh, the lead up to it is that um um i'm sorry which one was the director uh, rj that was rj okay my bad but um rj uh you know like he's just had a spat with um with jenna ortega his girlfriend because she ultimately decided that she wanted to be a part of this movie even though she was just there to help him film did you and laugh like, out did you laugh out loud with, with, with him crying in the shower afterward I did like, bro, I, I do get it. I do get it. But like, it's, he does kind of look a little pathetic, but you know, honestly, I do like that interaction because, you know, here you have like the character who normally would be like your final girl of the movie, uh, you know, because she's like above all the sexual levaciousness or whatever that all the, everyone else is engaging in. And she sits down, has a conversation with them about their, you know, their kind of free sexuality and they sort of get to her and they convince her that there is something to what they're saying. And then she wants to be a part of it. And suddenly the director guy who has been co-signing everything that they're saying, suddenly he goes, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you can't do that. Cause I said so. And uh, there's an interesting dialogue to be had there in that, like, you know, she's kind of forcing this down his throat in the, in a way, like she just kind of says, I'm going to do this thing, whether you like it or not. And I like, like this conversation with Wayne too. Yeah, exactly. And like he, you know, of course, it's like the, the director kid is like being kind of a tool about he's being kind of a douchebag about how he's going about like expressing his reticence. But at the same time, you sort of do get why somebody in that situation would be reticent. And I honestly, in a way, I think that the movie like I think the movie honest, it's doing it on purpose in uh, like she should have approached him in a different way about this. But also, he should have reacted in a different way. There's a comp- there's a nuance to their interaction, but ultimately, his response is to go screw this. I'm out of here. He goes tries to leave in the dead of night, 
And this is where I think the movie gets interesting and in, again, playing with expectations because normally in horror movies, there's this kind of stock trope of like, you know, having sex is punishment. Like have, if you have sex and you're free with your sexuality, you will be punished by the killer. And in this one, he's the only one who gets nothing. You know what I mean? Like he's the one who like rejects this kind of free approach to sexuality. And ultimately he's the first to die. The black dude doesn't even die first. It's him. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when it happens, it's sort of like, you know, Pearl kind of takes him by surprise after he kind of like, you know, is kind of patronizing to her and she stabs him in the neck and stabs him and she straddles him actually she straddles him on the ground as he's bleeding and she starts stabbing his neck and stabbing his neck and stabbing his neck the blood goes on to the uh goes on to the uh, the, the headlight of the van that he's trying to leave in and like then it casts like this red glow on everything like a like a like a giallo film like an argento like a bava film and it becomes this release of sexual tension mixed with violence which you know so much of horror is which is kind of why you know ty west in an interview had said in multiple interviews has said that like he wanted to make a horror movie about filmmaking but he didn't want to make a horror movie about making a horror movie because that's too meta but making a pornographic film you know sex and violence has such an interesting history in horror filmmaking that like it just made certain sort of sense and here in this scene you really key into that like there is a release for this old woman who just wants to feel appreciated and loved and cannot because of how society sees her that's her release finally it's this bloody murder of this boy and then she stands up and she dances and it's like this catharsis for her, the character that you can't help but feel, even well, though what she did was so heinous. And also, I will note, that seems to me like a visual reference, like the most explicit visual reference to uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Obviously, like you said, she's getting a release there, but she uh, they, they kind of go on like a murder spree after that. And she, and she actually gets like a, 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 a uh, she actually does have the sexual release because, you know, you have the, the scene where she and Howard actually like uh do do you have sex right right on right which on is a great Maxine. scene right uh well great you, scene, a, right well, well i was gonna ask you i mean like what did you think about like the, where the movie went at that point where it became apparent that like they're very very like on the same wavelength when it comes to i mean i don't know if it's i don't know if we're supposed to take it to mean like they've done this kind of thing before uh and i mean yes, aside, aside, it is aside, implied because well, you see well aside from the one guy in their basement like maybe they've like it, 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 to me it, we're supposed to take it as like they're they murdered more than just that one guy before you know yeah, and then you see the car, which also is a is a visual ref. I have not seen Psycho, but I know the shot. It's a visual reference oh, to Psycho yeah. as well. I have to seen the Psycho car and I in the water. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that and I was like, I see, I see you, Ty. I see you, Ty. Well, but um, well, so like, I mean, we're we're led to believe. I I I I was kind of I was searching for a word and now I was just missing it. But like, basically, like they they are on the same wavelength, uh, if not always sexually. Like they they're on they're on it. Like we got to We got to do some murdering once 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 uh, once Pearl gets one person. Like we they're on the same team. We got to like we got to kill everyone. So what did you think about how the rest of the movie shed light on their relationship, both uh with respect to their uh their homicidal tendencies, but also like where they ultimately like kind of like consummate things again i think at this point the movie sort of becomes like a sort of window up to our or, or mirror to ourselves like i do like really like their sex scene because you know this entire movie we've been seeing this sort of like you know uh you know these young people making this porno and it's been very sensual and all that but like by their own admission you know it's been without love so to speak, like they are having fun. They're enjoying their youth. Here you have, you know, a sex scene between two people who do quite 
love each other. You know, you see that in how devoted they are and how supportive they are to each other. And yet, you know, you can feel in the audience, I don't know about you, but you can feel that nobody was into that sex scene. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like, uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, you should be turned on by this. What I'm saying though, is that, you know, just the fact that we are, we all sort of instinctively recoil from this, uh, from their the overt sexuality of these two people who are actually in love. Why is that? Like, why exactly um, is it? Is it just to come down to the fact that we find them physically repulsive or is it like, what is it? And, you know, I honestly, I find, I don't know that there's like an easy answer to that question or at least one that doesn't make you feel like a bit of a prude, but um, I think that it is interesting. It's, it's, and again, it's one of those horror, it's one of those rare horror movies that leaves me, you know, kind of questioning how I view sexuality and aging and all that. Um, you know, you end up leaving with questions, which, what, uh, sorry, go ahead. Doesn't normal, which doesn't normally happen after a slasher. Well, I, I, one thing I want to add to that also is that, like, I think for for a couple of different reasons, I guess the the where the scene where uh, Brittany Snow gets gets killed or is 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 pretty great, but like that just gives you like that the moment that like I, that's what I really respect about this movie is it just like you know a lot of times like even where there are more impressive creative kills in movies, they're just done like without a lot of context. They just kind of happen and there's not, there's really not, there's just not a lot of character there, I guess, like, like you were talking about earlier. Mm. And like the scene with like where they, they, they take the time to have that scene on the board on the dock with Brittany snow and Pearl. And like, you get a little more, you get a little more insight again to like how perceptive she actually is, as opposed to being the bimbo with the way she responds. And she like pretty easily picks up without Pearl saying a lot other than calling her a whore. She says, I'm sorry. You didn't have the life you wanted or something like that. But uh, yeah, or something like that. I love that. And, and, and she like that. cuts to the core right there and without like pearl saying a ton she kind of gets what pearl's whole deal is and then uh so like i just I, I thought that exchange was just like incredibly telling we obviously get a little bit more insight into like what's driving pearl but we also like see like look bobby bobby lynn is actually like pretty smart and can pick up on stuff and uh but is also like at her core probably a pretty nice person because she does want initially want to help her before like uh pearl just is right. very nasty to her yeah, and there's more there's more to her than just just being like pretty you know yeah yeah and then and then and then uh pearl shoots her in the water and honestly that that was one moment where it was like i think that i think i had had the alligator on my mind because like you i think you might have you might have seen it at some earlier point already like Uh, earlier earlier uh, just before it i just before she's killed um kid cuddy gets killed and before he gets killed he goes into the water because like there's the uh someone had dropped it and i remember when the moment he goes into the water in both times I saw it, like the audience around me just went. Well, did they like show? They I, I can't the remember. They show, I can't remember they showed the alligator at all during that sequence. Even if like they didn't show him like swimming no, towards. No, no, they didn't. They don't. They oh, don't. Okay, you okay. remember, but you well, remember so, the alligator. Yeah, so, yeah. So I think I was thinking about the alligators at that point. But then, like when they didn't kill him, I think I forgot about them at that point. And it's also because exactly. like, it's all. It's also because uh, at the I think at the moment when she is in the water. I, but before you have a chance to really think that much about the alligators, uh, Pearl says, bitch. And then that gets, I get that, that, that disarms the audience very quickly, such that the alligator thing really actually does jump out at you, even oh, if like you had had been beautiful. on alert. And it was just such an incredible moment. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's such a great kill. Oh, and uh, I, I know that I'm running a little bit out of yeah. time, but I will say that like um, the, when he gets to the finale, right? Uh, Jenna Ortega has been locked in the in the cellar, 
Right. And uh, at this point, it's just her and Maxine left mm-hmm. alive. And, you know, uh, Maxine, had, like, ha- I'm sorry, Jenna Ortega at this point had participated in the film. And, you know, she feels guilty about, you know, what she did to her boyfriend and this and that. Um, but the moment she's let out of the cellar, you know, Maxine is like, we need to stick together. But Jenna Ortega s- blames everything that just happened on her and her friends. And she kind of rejects this newfound embrace of her own sexuality. And what happens? Immediately, she's shot in the face. Immediately. It's so, again, weird to see a slasher movie where the comeuppance comes to people who reject that sort of free-spirited sexuality. Of course, everyone else does ultimately get it too. But normally, it's the people who are having sex and being free about it and happy about with it that are kind of punished, quote unquote. Like you think about like Friday the 13th, you think about Bava's Bay of Blood with the, the dude getting speared while in bed with, the, with, his, with his girlfriend. And here instead, it's the boyfriend and this girl immediately after she rejects the sexuality where they end up biting it. And, uh, you know, it's Mia Goth's like unwavering devotion to what she wants out of life which does include this vision of her own sexuality and this embrace of it. She's ultimately the one who makes it out. I, I, I respect it. I, I do. I love that. I respected how right before that it, w- it actually was Howard's heart that did him in. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it was such a cool, uh, such a fun way for like, uh, uh, what's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a, a subversion of what you expect in that moment uh, yes. in a horror movie that like, so that someone eats it, but without, without anyone, without getting stabbed or shot. Uh, <laughs> and then, and, and then just that, like, obviously it's very satisfying to see her drive off at the end. Uh, what did you make of the, uh, not even necessarily the revelation about what's coming in a, in a future movie, but like what you see on the television screen at the end with respect to like, we learn about this preacher that we've been seeing on the TV the whole time. Uh, Pearl is actually his long lost daughter. I, I, I should have remembered that. I should have gone back and paid more attention to like what was on her face at the scene in the convenience store when it's playing there. Uh, I, I, now I'm I did. Gonna... I, I looked myself and like, there's like kind of like her observing the TV, but there's not much. There's mm-hmm. not much of a reveal on her face. Yeah. What, what did you, what did um, you make of, what did you yeah, make no, of no, that? No, no, no. You know, I think that it just, it, like I just said, like, you know, she's the one who fully, and like, you know, in learning that she, she was the daughter of this preacher, it sort of kind of colors um, her embrace of this lifestyle in the sense that like, you know, you don't know where everyone else comes from, but now you know that she comes from the exact opposite of this world. Like she had to fight Mm -hmm. to get to where she is right now already. So it makes a certain sort of sense that she's going to be the last one standing. Uh, And also I just have to note that (laughs) the moment that um, Pearl lifts that shotgun, fires it, and then gets blown back 10 feet through the door. I laughed out loud both times and it's just no funnier moment. And then after that happens, the TV says, and that's what I call divine intervention. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of zest that I want out of my horror, man. Was your audience uh, for at least for your first viewing, was there a decent crowd? Yeah. The first viewing, there was a really good crowd. It was like the first showing and, you know, horror, horror people, they always know when the next thing is coming out. So, so it was I was going to say, I was wondering if, if, if your audience was kind of on your wavelength with respect to like laughing in those kind of moments. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. honestly, I, I feel like I might've been the one to lead them oh. <laughs> like, in a way. I think that like the fact, like, and also like in that moment before Kid Cudi gets shot, when like the farmer, the farmer is like, you've been walking around tantalizing my wife. And like Kid Cudi's like, yeah. 
okay <laughs> i start me is me and i i should note the black woman next to me like we're the i think we might have been the only two non-white people there and like we start laughing and then everyone else joins in <laughs> like I, we we both knew that look we like i need to get away from this crazy old white man <laughs> like well uh, i mean I I, I I i'm jealous that you had it seems like you had a better experience than i did in my first one like i said i saw it with like five friends on my second viewing but there was no one else there but like it was fun with them but like it's kind of cool to see it with an audience of people you don't know in uh, for this kind of movie because it's a very fun experience right, right. daniel we're I know, we're about out of time uh is there any, anything else you want to quickly say about the movie before we wrap it up i will say that i do love that opening shot where like you know it's through the barn doors this it, it kind of sets the tone perfectly for me because you know you're seeing like the movie starts like in the morning after all this carnage has unfolded with the cops are coming in and seeing what has happened all the bodies around the the, the, the farmhouse and uh the shot is through like the barn house doors so like it looks like it the movie is in four three aspect ratio which is sort of like the new cool thing for indie movies to do and then the camera zooms in and like widens you know so that you see like that no it's actually in like 235 or whatever the the ratio is and like you know i think that's sort of like a and it also ends up because it's in four three it also looks like you're looking at like a through like a film reel you know what I mean? It looks like the film reel itself, which, you know, they're making an amateur, you know, film. It, 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 yeah, no, that's the visual language playfulness that like I was like, I'm going to end up loving this movie, aren't I? Yeah, I saw it with our friends, Adam and Kayla. Uh, we're, we're among the people I was with last night when I came back in uh, to the theater. Like I, I missed like the first like 20 seconds, like refilling my drink and going to the bathroom, but I'd already seen it. So I wasn't sweating it. But Kayla was like, wait, is there something wrong with the quality of this, of our particular uh, film here? Do you think there's something wrong with the screen? Because uh, she, 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 she didn't quite realize that they were going to be like that ambitious uh, visually in that way. I'm like, no, that's uh, that's intentional. But yeah, I, I definitely appreciate the look of this film and uh, what Ty West accomplished in that regard. Mm. Uh, and highly recommend people check out X. It's uh, one of the best movies so far this year. And I, I would agree with Daniel on that. Uh, Daniel, like, we're, you really are up against it to get to work. So you don't have time for your whole list of recommendations as usual. Is there anything else you want to quickly shout out as something that like is people might enjoy if they like this kind of thing? Oh, man, I wish I had more time to have like a real, real list. Of course, you know, you have the obvious like, kids going out into the middle of nowhere and getting killed off one by one you know you got your texas chainsaws you got your tourist traps house of wax hey, just, of you can, they, the people can look them up themselves you know i, I was just asking yeah, you to yeah. name drop a few okay well then there you go there's there's yeah. a couple but um i will say i will i will say one i have seen like a hundred movies over the course of the last month <laughs> so like I, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff but one thing that does stick out which kind of does tie in um ticks Ticks was a 1993 straight-to-video horror movie in which teens are camping out and like the like, inner city kids are taken out on like this excursion into the wilderness and uh, they're threatened by like mutant ticks that have been developed accidentally by pot farmers who are giving their plants steroids. Uh, it's super silly, super goopy, but what I think the movie does do quite well, just like this one, is it establishes the characters. It takes its time before it gets to the carnage. Um, everyone feels like really, you know, it, it's still straight to video horror. So it's like a little corny, but like it works for the atmosphere. Um, you've got, um, what's his name? What's his name? Carlton. Carlton is in this movie. Carlton Banks from Fresh Prince. Alfonso Rivera, and, yeah. And he, yeah, Alfonso. And he is playing like the street kid 
and it does not work. He does not, not for a second do you believe this man has ever seen the inner city. But uh, he's still fun. He's having fun. Seth Green's in it. He's having fun. And, uh, you know, it just does a great job establishing these kids. And, like, when it does go gonzo, when it gets the horror stuff, it is like a Raimi movie. It is crazy, insane, full of amazing practical effects. And you can see this movie entirely, like, on YouTube, on Tubi. It's easily accessible all right i will only be late to work so i'm just gonna say i, I watched fresh on hulu this past weekend uh it's been kind of building a lot of word of, word of mouth momentum i'm honestly not 100 percent sure how i feel about it but it is like very entertaining and i think it's worth checking out and we might have an we might have an episode on it at some point in the next few weeks i'm still working on that so i highly recommend everyone check it out i think it's worth watching even if you don't like it you're gonna have it's still it's entertaining if nothing else and i recommend that uh as usual uh, daniel's on letterbox at felonious funk i'm josh chernavoy j-o-s-h-j-u R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast email uh, is the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. Yeah, podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Uh, coming up next on the podcast, I'm really not sure because we have a couple things we're holding until they show up on VOD. One of Daniel and I are going to owe each other some money soon because of Morbius. I haven't figured out that yet, but uh, uh, got, got a lot. I think to- it might be you. I think <laughs> it might be. I think I, think I might owe you. I think I might be owing you. That's got, got, what I mean got, to say. So, got that coming out amongst other options in the next few weeks. Plus, just like I said, stuff I've held. So, everyone stay tuned. We have plenty of stuff coming up and we'll see you next time.